Hey everybody, this is Mike Costelli. I'm CEO of Nova 3 Labs. I want to welcome you guys to episode number one of the Elevated Project. This is a new side project we've got going on, um, new podcast, formerly known as Feed the Machine Podcast. And in the introduction, I will introduce it as Feed the Machine. But in further discussion after the fact, uh, Jamie and Christine and myself decided that uh, we wanted to rename it and wanted to start fresh. So this will be the Elevated Project podcast. I hope you guys enjoy it. Same format as before and always looking for your feedback. Thanks. Enjoy this episode. Because people yeah. get so obsessed and so like, it's just unhealthy. Yeah. So for, for me to work on that with someone, with a client, like sometimes it doesn't mean really dialing in their nutrition. Sometimes it means taking, loosening that grip a little bit. Hey everybody, welcome back to Feed the Machine podcast. So I'm here with Christine and Dolly. She's in Salt Lake City. And beside me, I have Jamie Granville. How are you guys doing? Super. Good. Good. Awesome. So, so we're revitalizing Feed the Machine podcast. It's probably been a couple years since we put out an episode. There's been lots of changes within the company, within our lives but I thought it was time to, uh, to bring it back, even though the market seems to be totally saturated. So it's going to be the same format as before. It's going to be pretty much just ad lib. We're going to sit down here and we're going to talk about the things that we want to talk about specifically pertaining to nutrition. Of course, that's why we're all here. Yeah. So before we get into the topics, um, why don't we bring everybody up to speed on who we are? Because some people might not know. So Do Christine, it. why don't you, uh, why don't you take the reins and let people know about you and what you do and how you know us and that kind of thing. All right. Where do I start? <laughs> um, so I guess I'll start with basically I've been in the CrossFit space for over a decade. Um, that was my life for that long, um, competing, trying to make it to the CrossFit games Within that, I dealt with a lot of injury um, yes, and a lot of injury, but also a lot of like hormonal issues due to overtraining, under eating, which basically ultimately took me to where I am right now. Um, so from 2016 to 2018, I went through four surgeries on my shoulders. Actually, prior to that, I had an Achilles injury a year before that. Then I went into regionals 2016 and I messed up my shoulders in the first event, had four surgeries. And through that also was dealing with a lot of hormonal issues. Um, so that kind of sparked the interest in getting to know more about like hormones just the body in general so that's when it, this whole nutrition thing kind of started for me mm -hmm. um so after i stopped after i you know was recovered from my shoulders i decided to try and get back to the games and <clears throat> i got to a sanctional event and it was like an amazing experience coming back from four surgeries, getting back on the, the competition floor. But I just started to feel the love of that sport, like disappearing on me. Um, and I was fighting it and I fought it for a while. And I was like toggling back and forth. Like, do I stay? Do I leave? What do I do? Um, and I finally just decided that I wanted to step away and put my full focus into my nutrition coaching business and help people. I, I originally thought I was going to be helping athletes. I was like, I want to go in this. I want to help athletes. Like I know there's a huge problem in this CrossFit space with overtraining and thinking you have to train five hours a day while eating nothing. And it's just a big problem. Mm -hmm. Um, 
So I wanted to kind of come in and help people with that. And it's actually kind of taken a little bit of a different direction. Like, yes, I work with athletes, but a lot of the majority of my clients is just, you know, regular people wanting to get healthy, build better habits and stuff like that. So that's kind of where I am right now. I live in Salt Lake City. Um, I originally came out here to train, but now I'm just working and training for fun. And it's been really, really great. I love what I do and opening up my own business is something that I was really proud of. Yeah. What is your business, by the way? Uh, KA Nutrition. That's great. Yes. Just purely nutrition coaching, like one-on-one consulting. And you're, you're not an American citizen. You're Canadian, aren't you? I'm not. I am Canadian. <laughs> I'm Canadian. You're Canadian. I've got, a, I've got a working visa, though. But yeah, it's, I guess I'm full Canadian still, though. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And we started working together 2016? Yeah, I came earlier. to you. It was right after you. I don't think I had even had um, my surgeries yet. No, not yet. No, so it was right because I met Nick. Yep. So through met Nick. Nick. Yeah, know. and then I remember just being like Nick, you know, like I had been through nutrition coaches and I just wasn't finding the proper one. And um, I was like Nick, like, do you have anyone? He's like, yeah, here, like, here's Mike, mm-hmm. and that's it. Like, that's been it. We've been together ever since. So it's been like four years now, right? Yeah. yeah it's been a while. So yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, cool. The beautiful woman beside me, Jamie. <laughs> where do the, I start? Where do you start? Yeah. Um, you got a story too. Um, well, I guess I can start with that. I've been an athlete for, for forever mm-hmm. and probably in every single sport almost. So I started as a a competitive dancer when I was younger. Um, And then from there moved into into, um, like group team sports and excelled in basketball. So from there, um, I think I've always had an interest in being active. And and I think after after high school, um, I actually wanted to be a firefighter. (laughs) So I started going to, I went to school to become a paramedic and in the process, because I wanted to be a firefighter, I hired a personal trainer. I think I was 18, 19. Or are we going back that far? Yeah, I'm going (laughs) back that far because I think that's where my interest in like training and nutrition, Mm -hmm. that's where it started. Mm -hmm. And especially because I noticed working in the medical field that people didn't take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a, a lot of the paramedics that I worked with, they didn't take care of themselves. So I always made it, I always made it a priority to like to lift weights. And I mean, I kind of watched what I ate, but at that point I really had no clue. Mm-hmm. And I think I drank a lot back then too. I'm party. <laughs> so, <laughs> so fast forward, I don't know, eventually I ended up getting married really young, having kids. And, um, you know, I went through pregnancies and gaining weight and then losing weight. And I probably have done every fad diet out there because that was just what you did in the early 2000s. Um, if you were female and you had kids and you wanted to lose weight, then you did like, you know, cabbage soup diets and um, the master cleanse, the master cleanse cleanse and Mm -hmm. Weight Watchers and did you do Weight Watchers? You know, I think I probably did at one point because <laughs> some of the other mom and like the moms. Oh yeah, you know, you yep. go to like mm-hmm. mom groups, you yep. take right. kids, so that you you know kind of felt like a human being and you had people to talk to and not like mm-hmm. kids. So and all the moms, you know, that's what they did. They were like always trying to lose weight, but it was never healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then. My ex-husband, he had a job that we moved around a lot. So I kind of, I stayed home a lot with my kids. Um, and, you know, for a while I was a marathon runner. Yeah. Triathlete. Yeah, you just posted. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's I did pretty that. funny to watch. See that I had picture. like zero muscle. Uh-huh. I think it was like a total soft bag of milk. <laughs> and, but I ran for like hours, but it was probably just to escape my children. <laughs> so... Um, 
and then I started lifting weights again when we moved to we moved to the interior of BC and I had I actually had become a yoga instructor at the at that time too um, and I met my friend Ocean who had been in the fitness industry for years and was competitive bodybuilder that's Ocean Bloom right yes yes so she and I became really really good friends and she was like why don't you compete in figure and I was like okay like but sure what year was that 2010 that would know that's 2008 2008 yeah so that kind of got me into like the fitness industry and the whole bodybuilding competing thing and I did it really really poorly um, <laughs> and I had a really bad coach who ran me into the ground um, oh, and kind of wrecked me the first few shows were okay but yeah, I just was completely overtrained and depleted and um, yeah, it kind of wrecked me. I'm going to interrupt you for a little yeah. bit because I think all our stories are really similar. Um, I'll let you continue, but I think this is something I heard the other day. If, if somebody has a passion about something, if you look back into their history somewhere, there's been a spark or a catalyst that has sort of flamed that. Um, and it's usually it's usually not a positive experience. No, so I right. think with each one of us, it's like, Christine, you've dealt with injury. You've dealt with bad coaches. I've been given some bad nutrition advice in the past. And it, that's sort of been the catalyst to be like, I need to find out more. It's not like I didn't get into this to become a nutrition coach. That was never, right. ever, ever my intent at all. But it was just the accumulation of knowledge so it could be self-serving. And I think if you look back in everyone's past, they usually have a moment or moments where they've something has gone wrong or something has, you know, it's just been, you've been like, no, I need to figure this shit out for myself. Right? Well, yeah. And it was just, there was, um, for me, I was seeing all these people doing the same thing that was like really shitty for them. Right. And, but that was just how it was. It was like, oh, well, if you're going to compete in a show, um, if you're going to prep, then this is just how you do it. It's supposed to be crap. It's supposed to be shitty. You're supposed to run you into the ground. And I was like, huh? Like, how is there any longevity in this? And like, how, like, how can you feel good? And so I was like, so at that point, actually, I just completely got out of lifting and bodybuilding altogether. And, <laughs> and I opened a yoga studio. I was like, fuck this. I am done with this bullshit. I'm going to go and hang out with the hippies for a while. <laughs> And you did. Let my armpit hair grow and whatever else. <laughs> so glad I didn't know you then. <laughs> so I did. I just um this the community that I lived in. And like prior to this, I had taken so I was a certified personal trainer and I'd taken some nutrition courses. Um, but I was just totally done with the whole fitness industry. So I transitioned yeah. into yoga and um owned a studio and kind of ran myself into the ground with that too, just because I worked so much and I had two kids and I was <laughs> trying to take care of myself and like how many other people as a yoga instructor, because people are really needy in that industry as well. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and I realized, um, so I ended up selling the studio because we were moving again because my ex's job. Um, but I realized when I sold it and I actually had time to reflect on it, that the, that the yoga industry is just as fucked up as the fitness industry. Totally. Like, really? Yeah. I know actually, you, I've just gotten a little recent window into it and it's not that I want to bash on an industry that I don't know a lot about, but it, it was actually kind of surprising to me to see, and I hate to use the word and I hate to compare, but I'm going to the cultish like behavior. Well, and just self-righteous. Like, well, oh within God, it was Netflix like, documentary. Well, yeah, the, the Bikram one. Yeah. But it's like, also, I can't rely on Netflix. Well, no, you can't. You definitely can't rely on it. You never know. That's, it's all legit, that's legit Bikram. Though. Seriously. <laughs> but like, it's very, that's how people are. They do Bikram. It's very clicky, very cultish. Yeah, it's just not a really unlike weird. How CrossFit was. No, it's just a totally weird. Yeah. So I realized like, and I, I was like, this is just as bad as the fitness industry. It's just as fake. Can be. Just very as fake. Profit oriented. Very oh, profit oriented. I can see that. Surprising. And it so, surprising to me anyway. you know, and at that point I was like, so I was very, very passionate about 
teaching people how to move their bodies effectively. Always, I've always, and you've experienced that because yeah. he gets really when we train together. We train like, together because I'm like, fuck, just let me lift, woman. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like I watch people and I like I see the way they move and I'm like, uh, yeah. So it was, it was at that point that I thought once we had moved i was like um when actually i had gotten into crossfit yeah i was gonna say yeah. how did you get into crossfit right okay that's really crossfit that's how we met all through yeah yeah so. i don't know i actually don't know your story you guys oh. well it's actually kind of interesting so i so then i sold the yoga studio and before we moved to vancouver island um a crossfit gym opened in in salmon arm and um i was like well I really want community again because I had community with yoga studio. Um, and so I decided I am going to try this. And this was this evil was, CrossFit that wrecks bodies. And this was 2016, right? 20, yeah. 2015, 2015, 2014, 2015. I think I did CrossFit for a year before mm -hmm. I hired contacted me? you, but I was living on the Island. Oh, then. Right, right, yeah. Right, yeah. So I did CrossFit for a bit before that. And I was like, Ooh, this is really awesome. And I was like, I was, and I was good at it. Like I was really strong and I was relatively good at gymnastics and, um, and you know, like my cardiovascular was good. And cause I had like mountain biked my brains out when I lived in the interior and yeah. So then I moved to the Island and I'd hired, I was like, okay, I, think that if I focus on this then I can because I've always been stupid competitive yeah Can't ever just be recreational so you, you hired you hired a coach OPT. from OPT yeah yeah so I hired OPT so and that's kind of a connection like as a nutrition or as a coach for programming gotcha and then I was like I need to know about more about performance I knew like aesthetic nutrition but I didn't know much about performance yeah so and then they put you in contact with me. Yeah. So then we started consulting. Yeah. So yeah, that's really without getting into the real details. <laughs> we consulted, for about, a year. We consulted yeah. for about a year and then you fired me. Yes. And you fired. Really? OPT. Fired OPT. <laughs> yeah. Because so, you were just like, fuck this, I'm going to do this well, shit Well, because I was having some issues with my knee. So yeah. I was starting to, I was, yeah, I mean, now it's. I totally can't, couldn't even do CrossFit if I wanted to because of it, but I was starting to have issues with my knee and it was flaring up and it was making it so I couldn't do certain movements. And you went back to body. And so I was like, and then I felt like I was fat and I was like, I'm just like a fat CrossFit athlete. And Ooh, we there's a topic we could talk we about. Couldn't, we, couldn't, <laughs> we couldn't get, and I couldn't change yeah. my body comp to save my life. Like it was so frustrating. And so at that point I fired him and I fired OPT and I was like, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm like, did. so I just went, I went back to bodybuilding. I went back to the commercial gym and started lifting and tweak my nutrition. And then yeah. how much longer later I was like, I lost like 30 pounds. Yeah. Which that could be something for a future podcast we could talk about. Cause that's really interesting. That ties into a lot of topics and issues that we have with, with probably all our client base, but, uh, Oh, yeah, yeah, we stayed in touch. Yeah. And then, um, and then, yeah, all of a sudden you just showed up on my doorstep one day. <laughs> well, not really, but nobody needs to know the rest of the story. <laughs> yeah. so we clicked. We clicked really yeah. good. So, um, and I think it was like, so all of just all of the, I think about the reason why <laughs> I wanted, I've always wanted to be a coach and do what I do now, which I've, you know, I wanted to go to school, but it's kind of like, I feel like I have so much experience like mm. i don't have any degrees i think that's the most I have courses that mm -hmm. i've taken and i do lots of um education on my own just reading and but the the most of my experience most of my coaching ability comes from i make like experientially based right and you think about all the things that i've done mm -hmm. over the years and I can relate to so many people because I've been in so many of those situations. Yeah, I was just going to say, you can help so many more people by experience than just having a degree. Yeah. My opinion, at least. Totally. Um, I mean, you never, I never want to bash on education at all. No. It's kind of a place, but from an implement to like 
the ability to implement or a practical point of view. Um, right. Most of the time when I'm coaching clients, I'm drawing on experience as well. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't have a nutrition degree either. Right. So um, I don't know. I guess I could talk about myself. Where do I come in this? I don't know. I was just a nerd who really liked nutrition and somehow a supplement company blew up around me. I don't know how it just kind of happened, but um, <laughs> let me see. Um, I don't want to waste too much time talking about myself. I always get a little anxious about this, but uh, I mean, I guess it's similar to, you know, Jamie's story, your story. I've always been involved in nutrition, always been interested. I remember as a teenager, there was um, like 13, 14 years old. I'd walk to the mall and there was this health food store and they sold like teas and herbs and stuff. And I was totally interested in it. And I don't really know what the draw was at the time. I think it was just the idea that what we put in our body could make us healthier, not like not fix sickness, but maybe make us healthier. Um, and I was always sort of fascinated by that. Um, and I mean, even before paleo was a thing, I remember one day just thinking, Oh, you know, I wonder if I just ate meat and vegetables, how I'd feel. And I'm like, wow, I actually feel pretty good. Um, and this was long before paleo was even a thing. We're talking like the late 80s, early 90s. And I kind of messed around a little bit with that, was always interested. But And I, I left it in the background, went to school, became a paramedic. And then it, it kind of cropped up again in the fact that when I started CrossFit, I was relatively old. Um, I was 35. And I started doing CrossFit to um, get better conditioning for martial arts. Because I'm like, wow, I'm about to test for my black belt. And I don't feel like I'm ready. I feel I need more conditioning. And I remember watching, and this, this story is very common within the CrossFit community, people watching videos on CrossFit.com. And it was yeah. usually everybody's like, oh, my God, have you seen that nasty girl's video? Yeah. All these like, super buff women doing this crazy stuff. And I, I don't think that was the first one I saw. But I just remember looking at this and all these garage gym workouts that seemed super hardcore. And I'm like, holy fuck, I need to do this. And I just remember Googling CrossFit Lethbridge, CrossFit Lethbridge every couple months because there was no affiliate here. So I'd be just doing this shit in my garage. And then finally one day something popped up. I'm like, oh my God, I've got to go do this. And so I drank the Kool-Aid, got into CrossFit and then realized, holy shit, I'm kind of an old dog compared to the rest of these guys in here. What can I do to fix this? So I started to figure my nutrition out. And like I said earlier, there was a, there was a point when I was given some, maybe not bad nutrition advice, but it was just incorrect. And I was just like, huh, I don't think that's right. And I remember going home and looking it up and I'm like, wow, that's totally wrong. And that was sort of the catalyst for me to try to figure out everything about nutrition and what worked and what didn't. And the thing I've always loved about it is it's a very dynamic industry. And that's where the name of my first company came from, Dynamic mm -hmm. Nutrition, because it's always changing. It's like one minute, it's like fucking paleo is awesome. Next minute, it's like, holy shit, this is stupid. And then oh. the science, the controlled science, at least back in the day, was very hard to control um, nutritional science because you're trying to control what goes into the human body. And it's like, there's just tons of different variables. It's not like physics. So we never really had any good science to go with it. So I, I always found that interesting. And I started to accumulate some courses. I never wanted to be a coach. And I've told the story before. I never wanted to be a coach. Um, and I took a course that involved me having nutrition clients as the homework. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm just doing this for myself. I'm like, I don't want to coach people. And I thought, well, I have to complete this course. So I just did it. And then when I was done, I was like, wow, I actually feel really good about that. And I think I could maybe coach people. And so I like to give out free advice. And I never was a very good businessman. And very long story short, it kind of grew into dynamic nutrition. And I did nutritional coaching for performance-based athletes. And that's who I really wanted to work with. Just like you, you're like, Hey, I think I'm going to work with performance-based athletes. And yeah. of course you have a little <laughs> sprinkling of those, but then everybody else underneath is like, yeah. right. And it's the difference with a very performance-based athlete versus let's call them regular people is their focus and their resiliency and everything. Right. It was, it's a vast difference. So, I really did like working with performance-based athletes and I was lucky enough to be hooked up and come into contact with James Fitzgerald and there's a long story behind that, but that got me exposure to a lot of very high-end athletes and that was a very cool time in my life and I learned a lot from that and from there, everything kind of catapulted and the company kind of changed. It went from dynamic nutrition to driven performance labs for a very short period of time and 
Nova three labs and there's been a couple business owner changes through there and lots of stress and fun times, but, um, here we are now. So that's kind of my story. And, and I mean, from an athletic point of view, I've kind of been there, done that was always yeah. a very mediocre athlete. Um, but I don't think that's such a bad thing. I've, it's, it's enabled me to try a lot of things and realize that I have a level of resiliency that's very average. And I think that comes with most of the clients we see, right? Um, right. For sure. So, yeah. So mm-hmm. that's our stories. So we're here. This is Feed the Machine podcast. Um, now what are we going to talk about? What do you guys want to talk about? I was thinking the other day about how when I started CrossFit, um, there was like no competitions, couldn't find a gym. It just reminded me of when you said that, like, I would search so hard to just find a competition somewhere. It just, they didn't exist. It was crazy. Yeah. And now just within 10 years, it's just a completely different sport. It's crazy. It is pretty crazy. It's grown so fast. I guess we could do a little reminiscing of the old, the old days of CrossFit (laughs) because I actually remember when they announced that there was going to be CrossFit games and I was actually really upset by that because I was like, this is not a competitive sport. This is at the time it was, it was looked at as being like underground and it's like this elite level of fitness for yeah. firefighters <laughs> and cops and military and people that need this functional fitness. And of course, I mean, one thing I didn't say for the folks that don't know, I've been a career firefighter for my whole life. So it's been important to be in shape. And, and that was a big part of it. And I'm just like, no, man, you can't do fitness to a stopwatch and get a medal. Like, this is bullshit. But then, of course, of course, I was wrong. I've been wrong about many things. That just exploded um, and has become one of the biggest sports on the planet now. But, yeah. um, but at the time, yeah, I remember this CrossFit Games thing. And I'm like, what the heck? Where are they doing this? Because what was the first year of the Games? 2007. Yeah. So It I mean, started was- off as, like, sectionals and stuff, right? Oh God, I think the first Remember that because my sister was in a sectionals and at the time, I forget where we went, but the people who were holding it were the ones who made up the workouts. <laughs> like it wasn't Castro. I don't think Castro no. was in it at that point, but it wasn't Castro or anyone. It was them making up the workouts. And actually <laughs> those people, not to speak badly, but those people <laughs> got caught for basically rigging the competition because they rigged it so that they would win. Oh, man. <laughs> like, they got yeah. their affiliate and everything stripped. Oh, yeah, some of the stuff that has happened with that. <laughs> I think the first year, and, you know, a good guy to, to talk to about this would be Mike Fitzgerald. Um, I think the first year, I think if you wanted to go to the games, you just – You just signed up. You just signed up. And yeah. you, just went. you just went to Carson, California. Because it was at the ranch. The ranch. It was at the ranch. Was it Castro's yeah. ranch? Or was it, it was Castro's ranch. Yeah. Well, maybe he yeah, wasn't. I think he I – think Has he, he been in there from the very start? I think yeah. so. Mm-hmm. So it was yeah. Andy – I mean, I could list all these guys. Like Andy Stump, Dave Castro. Um, I can't remember some of the other guys. But I think it was Castro's parents owned that ranch in – I want to say Carson, California, but uh, anyways, yeah. So, I mean, it's come a long way and it's one of the cool things that's happened um, is the economy that it's created for the community, for the community. So it's like for sure Glassman. And I've always been a little bit of a critic when it came to Glassman, just because of different things, but he obviously is very brilliant making an open source community like this, but um, you create basically fitness to a stopwatch and you assign some cool names to workouts and you have an open sort of sense of community and boom, it explodes. And then within that, all of a sudden big businesses have popped up. Like look at what's the net value worth of rogue, like right. millions. Right. And I mean, Nova three labs wouldn't exist if yeah. it was CrossFit. Right. So and I many. Within this podcast, we didn't want to just stick to talking about CrossFit, but I think that's the one thing that's drawn us all together. That's yeah. Sure. Yeah. It's um, it's definitely evolved through. Well, and I, th- I mean, I definitely for me, like, I, I don't miss the whole training of CrossFit because it just wrecked me. Mm-hmm. But I do miss the community because, um, <laughs> training is doing bodybuilding is a very lonely sport. Uh, yeah. yeah, totally. And I, I mean, I'm okay with that, um, because it's like time where I just do my own thing. Right. But um, 
but it is like, I can understand why people want to be part of CrossFit. And you've probably had how many of your clients were like, well, I know I should probably stop doing CrossFit because this, this form of activity is not good for me and it's not actually helping me reach my goals, but I don't want to leave the people. Mm -hmm. And I get, I get that from, I get that from, I mean, you do too. Yeah. Or they're like, nope, you know, I, th- I think about going to a commercial gym because, yeah, I could, I could, I should do bodybuilding because it'll help me reach my goals. But I just, you know, I, I miss all of the group workouts. Like, how often do you get that? <laughs> uh, I've gotten it quite a few times. Yeah. Because yeah. we had talked about this a little while ago. I think just through a text, I was, I was asking you sort of what your demographic of your client base is, if it's predominantly CrossFit. And you said, no, it's kind of from everywhere. No. Yeah. That's, but that's I think cool. that people get, I think it's fine to do CrossFit. Like, it's not like it's, ho- it's a horrible thing, but it's no. people have the wrong impression thinking that they have to train like so hard all the time. It's just like, no, like three to four times a week. That's still a lot. Mm-hmm. Or the other, there's the other part of cro- people that do CrossFit that think that they're working way harder than they actually are. And they're like, yeah. I don't know why I, I don't know why I'm not seeing any changes and it's like but what did you do for like what was the class today oh it was like a 15 minute AMRAP and right. like, and we did like you know three rep max deadlifts yes and it's like well you maybe burned 150 calories then yeah. and they're like put it I want a refeed <laughs> <laughs> See, that's and I think what you just hit on there here, if we're if we're we're coming up with these random topics, I think this is one we definitely talk about today. I know we had different ideas what we're gonna talk about. Training this is intensity. One. Training intensity, yeah. I like how it just flows. We just talk about whatever. Yeah, I th- well, this is a good one because I think oh, people are so, so disillusioned when it comes to their intensity and training. Oh but yeah. This is a problem that I think all three of us see quite a bit. We get clients and they're doing mixed modal training in a group format we call it crossfit but i want to stay yeah. away from that word maybe so they're doing that and their main goal is improvement in their body composition and for whatever reason and we'll talk about that they're not able to attain the body composition they want and it's like why why is this i'm training so hard so jamie and i have lots of discussions about this and one of the things that we've realized is your rate of perceived exertion when you're doing mixed modal training is really fucking high because it's very hard. But with that comes probably not a lot of caloric expenditure. So there's a mismatch there, right? So it's like, I go to my class and it's an hour class and I do 15 minutes warm up, 15 minute warm up. And then we're going to do some strength training. We're going to work on three, three rep max deadlift. And then we've got today, folks, we've got three parts. We've got, three seven minute AMRAPs and you only get two minutes break between them. And everyone's like, Oh my God, the day's going to kill me. So you've done really 21 minutes of work and some very minor amount of total volume strength training, but your rate of perceived exertion, like you're peeling yourself off the floor. It's not like people aren't working hard. They are working hard, but their total caloric expenditure is not very significant to justify how much food they're taking in. And this is where the bit of the mismatch comes in, where it's like, I need X amount of calories, X amount of carbs to recover and perform, or let's say perform and then recover from that type of training. And if I do that, I feel good and I will get bigger, faster, stronger. But will that be enough to elicit change in body composition? No. Because then after their class, what do they do? They go and sit in front of a computer for the rest of the day and they don't move. Exactly. And then they go home and they're tired Yeah. and then they don't do anything. So it's like yeah. you, you've, you have moved your body for like maybe half an hour mm-hmm. and like I mean, half an hour. This is a really deep topic to get into because <laughs> there can be lots of different opinions on this. And, and one of the big opinions, and I don't want to totally steal the soapbox here. So just cut me off either one of you. Um, but um, you know, people will talk about, well, it's all about calories in calories out. And at the end of the day, yeah, it is, but we also need to talk about, and this is kind of where we get a little bit outside, or at least I feel I get a little bit outside of my scope of practice is we talk about training modalities. Um, and if we just talk about it from an experiential point of view, what I've seen, and you've experienced this, yeah. I've experienced this, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. Um, 
is when you change your training modality, um, basically what I'm talking about is, let's say going from CrossFit to going to a bodybuilding style workout, what happened with your physique? Oh, it totally changed. Okay. Like, what, what happened with my physique? Oh, totally changed. Totally changed. Yeah. yeah. So my body composition totally changed. Now, did, now keep in mind, this isn't like an N equals two. This is just your experience. Yes. This is my experience. Yes. There's CrossFitters out there that are ripped and jacked and shredded to the gills without a doubt. Um, but did CrossFit blow you up? Yep. Did you have to have a lot of calories to recover from it? Yes. Okay. That's basically the same experience that I had. I had to eat a lot, right? So I had Mike Fitzgerald programming for me. Um, I had really good programming. Like it was very, very individualized for me. Mike knew me very well. He knew where my tipping point was, what I needed to work on, what I was good at, what I was shitty at. Which and, is the same for me because yeah. it's gone from OPT being yeah. individualized for me because I said, I want to make it to regionals as a master's athlete. That's, That's what, what I wanted to do. My goal was yeah. He was like, okay, well, you can do it. You just have to do this. Yeah. Right? But it was like a lot of calories that I was taking in. But I needed that to recover from the training. Now, when I switched into more bodybuilding style, and which was a little bit unintentional, there's a story behind that. I just kind of transitioned out of CrossFit because I was getting blown up. Um, I noticed that my body comp was changing. And I was like, wow, I'm just like, you know, doing some aerobic stuff, doing some bodybuilding and, you know, stuff started to change. Now, this doesn't mean that- Like you mean change as far as- Being lean. So you got leaner. Leaning out, yeah. yeah you I mean, also put on lean mass, too. I also had the ability yes. to put on lean mass. So that, I think that's one thing. Well, actually, before I keep going, tell me your experience. Like, what do you do now? What have you noticed with the different styles of training that you've done? How has it changed your body comp? And then how has the recovery been different? So as far as body comp, moving from CrossFit into... I'm doing Olympic lifting now, basically mm -hmm. full time. Like I'll do random CrossFit workouts, but basically it's just all lifting now. Um, I have definitely added body fat, no doubt. Like I was, I was a lot leaner when I was in um, CrossFit, but give it like I was training twice a day, yeah. like yes, eating twenty eight to three thousand calories. Um, you know, so it was a lot, like a lot, a lot now, but, but even then my recovery didn't feel good. Like I felt like I was tired all the time. I had no energy. I like, I'm not joking you. It felt like I was like in a deficit, but I wasn't like, I didn't want to go to the grocery store. I, you know, just like little things like that. Um, soon as I transferred transitioned out of CrossFit, my body fat percentage went up, no doubt, but I feel way better. I'm like that. I feel I've got energy. Like I want to go out. Like I don't want to lay on the couch all day. Um, and I'm just in a better place mentally, despite having a little bit more body fat. It's like you, you want to be ripped training 24 seven, or you want to have a little bit more body fat and live your life normally. Totally. So that was kind of my transition. But that being said, when I was in CrossFit and going through really bad hormonal problems, so, you know, overtraining really bad, hormones were a disaster, I blew up, completely blew up. What do you mean by blew up? Um, what do you mean by blew up? So, like, my face got really puffy. I gained a bunch of weight. I, I honestly gained about 10 pounds. Um, and yeah, could not lean out, everything like that. So that's when it was like, okay, it, it taught me how to gauge my training and my recovery. If I felt like, if I felt really bad, I wouldn't train myself. So I started to be able to um, get a better body comp, but I had to stop training for about a year mm -hmm. in order for that to happen. So it's like, you have to be very careful, but transitioning from CrossFit to weightlifting, I have, I have had an increase in body fat, but it's not that big of a deal. You know, I think that what it is, like most people don't train like you. Most people don't train like I do now either. Yeah. Right? And um, so most people though that do CrossFit think that they train like you. Right. And I think that's where the issues come from them thinking, well, how, you know, I'm doing all this hard yeah. training and, 
but they don't actually even understand mm. what it is to train really fucking hard. Well, and they see, don't, they don't have a clue, but they, yet they want the results of all of that, even though they're not doing it because it seems really hard to them. And they right. also want to still be able to have all those calories that like, say you were eating because of how you train, but just because you do CrossFit doesn't mean that you're training super hard. Like, like you couldn't think, well, well, I would train like Matt Fraser today. So shit, I'm going to eat 10K. <laughs> well, and this is why it's very confusing for people. And I understand yeah. it. Like even, even in our discussion, we're kind of giving a very mixed message here. We're talking about, hey, if you do CrossFit, your rate of perceived exertion is going to be really high, but you're not burning calories. But at the same time, you're not really training very hard. You need to train harder and you're not training enough. Um, so it's... it's it, what it is is that you need to train in order to match your, your training has to match your goal at the end. Yes. Okay. There's right. the, there's the, the like message. The same as your nutrition has to match your training. Yes. Which then helps you reach your goals. Like yes. it's, right. it's all right. of them together. It's, it's not connected. like yeah. you can't train like a CrossFit athlete and then yeah. not eat properly. Cause then you run in like, like you would train, right? Right. Train really hard. And because you need, you need fuel, you need to train like a performance athlete. Well, and I think people, and this is, I would, it always seems to spin back to this. I fully put the blame on social media. Totally. Because people now have exposure to a lot of different, like the connection in the world right now is, is at an all time high. Like we have exposure to everybody. So we, depending on who you follow. And I think actually, who was it? I think it was. Um, Max from Training Think Tank, he had a really good post on be careful who you follow because it can really mm -hmm. influence you. And I don't know the details of the post off the top of my head, but it was really well thought out. Um, but if you follow a lot of very high-end CrossFit athletes that have phenomenal body composition, you get the impression that if you do CrossFit, you'll look like that. Unfortunately, no. These athletes are no different than Olympic athletes. They are the 1% of the 1%, right? Um, and I mean, I'll speak about somebody that I know quite well. It's, it'd be Brent Fatowski. And I mean, the guy's an amazing athlete. He's always had amazing body composition. But I think if he was like a vegan marathoner, he would still look like Brent Fatowski. Like he's right. amazing. And I'll probably get an angry text from him when he hears this <laughs> podcast. But that's okay. I can handle that. But these are, so these are the 1% of the 1%. And I think yeah. it comes back to, why, why are you training? What are you doing? Right. And a lot of our clients are like their primary goal. Once you sort of thread it out of them, they come to us and be like, yeah, I'm performance, blah, 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 blah. I got to, you know, it's all about performance. And then, you know, a couple months later, they're like, yeah, you know, summer's coming up and I really, I really like, like to have some abs. I really want some yeah. Abs yeah. And, <laughs> can I just do some calorie cutting? Can you put me in a mini cut? Uh -huh. like, oh my God. Well, no, because you're doing CrossFit, you're doing performance-based training, and that will run you into the ground quicker than anything. You've experienced right. that. I mean, I've yeah. experienced that. Jamie's experienced that. We've seen it with our clients. But your training has to match your goals. And then to follow up with that, your nutrition has to be in line with your training and your goals. They all have to match, right? And right. that can be tough for a lot of people because a lot of people will have mixed goals. They're like, hey, I want to feel good. Hey, I want to have some decent performance in the gym and lift heavy things up and go real fast, but I also want to look good. And that's not unreasonable, right? If somebody came to me as a client and they're like, Hey, I want all three of these. Then you do different things with them at different times. It's not unreasonable, but I think that everybody needs to understand that you're not going to attain those goals at like super light speed. Right? No. So. Um, no, it's like a long-term thing. It doesn't happen in six weeks. I want to do six week challenge. Mm. Oh, yeah. But you know, but it's things like <laughs> the you Duke. Know. You, we're, we're not going to have any video on this, but the Duke just for those in the in the state. What do they call it in the U.S.? A beanie? Oh, a beanie. A beanie for the for the U.S. Yeah. It's a beanie for this Canadians. It's a Duke. The Duke just almost came off her head. Yeah. Oh my God! Six week challenge. But yes. it's like so. It's if you have a client that says, "Okay, I want to work on body comp," it's really hard to get through to them to say, "Okay, you're for this period while we're you're in a deficit and we're working on body composition, you're going to have to change your training." Yeah. They're like, what? Yeah. You want me to what? Yeah. I can't change my training. Well, you have to. Like. 
yeah. they just they just don't they don't get it and it's like especially people who are in say a crossfit community or a crossfit gym it's almost like they think well people aren't going to like them anymore if they decide to change their goals or if they just go to the if i mean every crossfit gym that you belong to you could do bodybuilding like hypertrophy lifting in that gym but then they wouldn't be it's like the fomo it's the fear of missing out mm. for sure and the ego totally well and one thing that i think if we're going to put a positive spin on any of this it's like i think what at least what i'm seeing from my clients and within gyms now is there's a lot more quote-unquote accessory work going on yeah right which is just another name for bodybuilding movements like people yeah. are doing like one-arm dumbbell rows and they're they're doing like isolation movements and like you know, split squats with dumbbells, yes. elevated Romanian stuff, blah, 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 blah. But I think that's all great that that's happening. But people, it's funny because CrossFitters don't want to say they're doing bodybuilding. They're like, yeah, I'm going to do my wad. I'm going to do my strength stuff. And then I got some accessory work after. I'm like, oh, you're bodybuilding. <laughs> no, no, this is accessory unilateral work. I'm like, okay, <laughs> sure. But I think it's good because obviously, you know, we're, we're, we're pro that. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. Or if you get, here's a good, another good example. Mm. So I've ha have a couple of clients who did just quit doing CrossFit right. because they want to work on aesthetics. Right. And I do programming for them. <laughs> so <laughs> trying to like deal with someone who has come from CrossFit background into bodybuilding and they're just like, but I'm not doing enough. Mm. Right. I can see that. That'd be tough. Cause I was thinking about that. I'm like, you know, I wonder, I don't know if I'd ever be able to go strictly bodybuilding. Cause I'd be like, what, do, like, what do I do with myself? Like, it's like, I have to have me. I'll show you what you can do with yourself because, <laughs> because I like the, the way that I train for bodybuilding, it's not easy. No, it's not. And yeah. After yeah. I'm done, yeah. like I feel like I trained really hard. Well, yeah. Right. Hey, I got, I have a question for you. So with your clients, um, some of them do CrossFit, some mm -hmm. of them do Olympic lifting, some of them probably do other things. What do you do with their nutrition based on their training? How do you approach that? So, I mean, for a CrossFit athlete, this is going to kind of <laughs> go what? into the whole uh, for a CrossFit athlete, they have to absolutely have a sufficient amount of carbohydrates. Yes. Um, despite with that social media crap, oh. um, <laughs> <laughs> a morning chocolate. Yeah. Um, I think with because I kind of dealt with the hormonal problem, I really edge on the like careful side of things. So, um. You know, I'll never put any, any person across the board. I typically won't put any female under 50 grams of fat mm -hmm. um, yeah. just right. for like hormonal issues and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's, this is kind of a hard question because everyone is so different, yeah. right? It's a bit of a loaded question too. Right? Yeah. There's some people who they say um, that they feel better with lower carbs. So they just... Right they want their carbs just around their training. And then the rest yep. of the day, they don't want to eat higher carbs, right? Or, you know, people who, like, what's your name, has PCOS, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Depending on what you're dealing with, with, let's say, their medical history. or right. But there are definitely people out there who know what makes them feel better yeah. training. Well, I think even when, when someone comes on with me, for example, I track, like, their first seven days of yes. – uh, what they're eating without any numbers and you can really see like what they favor. So I'll be like, okay, I'm going to start this person off They're If they're eating higher fat, I'm going to have them start off eating higher fat, obviously, because they're going to adhere to it better Then, yeah. like down the road. You can, start. Yeah. yeah. You can slowly like switch things, but I think that's super important. Totally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like, so yeah, I kind of threw a loaded question your way and really the correct answer is, well, it kind of depends on that. Yeah. It really does. From, I guess, from my experience, let's say I had three types of athletes, maybe four. Okay. Let's say we have a CrossFitter, we have an Olympic lifter, we have a bodybuilder, and we have an Olympic rower. What are their nutritional needs going to be? Um, generally speaking, CrossFitter, high calorie, high carb. Yep. Bodybuilder will be 
high protein and carbs depending on body type and carb sensitivity. Um, Olympic lifter, generally speaking, and this is a huge generalization, <laughs> their calorie intake is probably going to be lower because their volume of training is not even close to that of a CrossFitter. It's hard and it's very taxing on the CNS, but it's not very taxing as far as glycogen depletion. Unless yeah, with me yeah. going from a CrossFitter to an Olympic lifter, like my calories significantly reduced. Um, and I actually, I am eating a higher fat rather than carb because I don't need it as much. So if you're cool with it, would you be willing to tell people like numbers previously and numbers now for your mind? Yeah, I have to go get my thing. Well, can't you do it off the top of your head? Um, okay. <laughs> as far as calories, as far as calories, pro calories was around 2,800, really. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But like, I would just eat. If I, wanted, if I was hungry as a, as a CrossFitter and I hit my 2,800 calories, I was like, no, I'm going. I'm still going higher. Like, mm -hmm. I just ate. Um, right now, I'm around, like, 2,200 calories. Um, yeah. Protein stays the same. Right. I'm around, I go between, like, 140, 150, and I weigh 135. Right. Um, and then my fats are around 70 to 80 grams. Right. And then it's from like 200 to, I mean, when I was eating 2,800 calories, it was like 300 to 350 grams of carbs. That's right. Yeah. So I was eating a lot. It was so funny because I would like go places and people like, oh, well, you're just going to get a salad. I'm like, you have no idea how much I eat. Like salad. a salad? No. I'm not going to cut it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah. when you eat that many calories, speaking from experience right now, yeah. you don't even have room for vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> when you need like a lot of calories. Salad, what's yeah. that? Yeah. So you're about six hundred calories less than you were when you were yeah. but the, the twenty eight hundred was like me, that's when I was like competing, you know, um really being proactive with not <laughs> overtraining. So making sure I was getting in a ton of calories. Um it's hard, it's hard eating that much. I mean, you're eating a lot right now. God. Ooh, yeah, is she? Like, yeah, actually, I haven't eaten yet since I trained. <laughs> yeah, today's your, today's your low day or your no, carb day? No, hi. Today's your carb day, yeah. But you yeah. have a different setup than most people would be uh, aware of, for sure. It's very different. And, I mean, lots of times I don't like posting about it on social media. Just be, I mean, I don't have as many, like a ton of followers, but it's because I don't want people to try and do what I'm doing because it's for me individualized from my coach and we know that it works for my body. Yours is very individualized. I wouldn't take what you do and what you take you in, never and I would probably never RX that for a client, but no, you have some pretty specific needs. Yeah. And I mean, like, I've, I have never ever done this amount of caloric surplus before ever in my life. Like, well, with bodybuilding, um, there's extremes. Right? <laughs> yeah, and I've um, this is the other end. Like yeah. when I was when I competed, when I stepped on stage, I was like what a thousand calories. Yeah. With no, and it was just all protein. So a thousand calorie intake for for the day. Yes, and then I got a three hundred, probably about three hundred gram of grams of carbs every three days. So. And then on top of that, I was lifting every day, really heavy. And then I had an hour and a half cardio. It was cyclic, low carb, very high protein. Yes. Yeah. Now, one thing, a lot of people listening will be like, what the hell? I don't even understand why you could do that. That goes back to the training, the whole training. The training modality. It's like, and I always sort of say, it's like, it's like a stress cup. Everybody has a stress cup. Mm -hmm. And when you do mixed modal training, that takes up a fucking huge pile of your cup. And what is nutrition? Nutrition offsets that stress. So we need the calories, right. and the carbohydrates, and we're, we're offsetting the glycogen depletion, the endocrine demands, the CNS fatigue. Bodybuilding is not quote unquote easy. It's very, very hard, but it enables you to have stress put into other places because you can handle it. If I go to the gym and I do, I don't know, I'll do like, let's say four, five different movements of like a four by 10 rep scheme right? I'm not using a ton of glycogen when I do that. When I walk out of the gym, like today, we're tired. We're like, oh my God, we just killed our back. It's awesome. Yes. But it's like, I don't feel totally depleted. So I can take that stress and put it into a caloric deficit. 
Couple right. that with a high protein intake is going to be anti-catabolic. And lo and behold, you can lean out and maintain your muscle mass. Right. right. And not run yourself into the ground. And then it's knowing like, okay, I'm at the point now where I actually do need to do a refeed with carbs because, well, mentally, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes it's just a mental thing, but also for recovery. Yeah. Yeah. Different different training modalities elicit a different training stress. And that's me being very Captain Obvious about that. But I think people, lots of folks think that it's just like, if you go to the gym and you lift heavy stuff, you're burning calories. You're not wrong, but at the same time, the amount of caloric expenditure you have is going to be different. And then the kind of stressors you're going to have that need to be offset by nutrition are going to be totally different too. Um, And to get back to my examples there. So the Olympic lifter um, won't need, like I said, generally speaking, won't need as many calories. There becomes a time when CNS fatigue becomes a huge factor. And part of the offset of that would be carbs it's usually just sleep time carbs to a degree branch chain amino acids in a very small amount but uh, carbs can offset cns fatigue but the olympic rower if you think like okay imagine doing a 2k row every day (laughs) for time and to add on to that another another you know bunch of strength conditioning um they have a very high caloric intake very similar to crossfit they're going to need high carb very high carb rate intake. I have some, two of my Olympic rowers are both over 400 grams of carbs per day and they're both female athletes. Wow. Taking Love it. Carbs. Yeah. They make CrossFitters look like slugs. It's like yeah. And then, and then when you talk about all those different athletes, right? Mm-hmm. So, and about, um, about nutrition for, and I think that there's lots of people that are like, well, why, why is it that just the bodybuilder can be, in a caloric deficit and be okay. Whereas you look at like a CrossFitter, really shitty to be in a caloric deficit. Olympic lifter, shitty to be in a caloric deficit. Olympic rower, can't be in a caloric deficit. And especially like, you know, we've had how many performance-based athletes that say, um, well, I, I wanna work on my body comp, but I still wanna keep lifting the same, right? right? I would say a uh, Olympic lifter can be in a caloric deficit, but maybe, it won't be as severe of have a as severe of an impact as let's say for a crossfitter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But at the same time, the performance is just going to go. Performance will eventually. Right. So. Um, I think one thing that um, I will touch on, which can probably transition into yes. what we kind of want to talk to next. I'll talk about next was, so when I was in CrossFit, I was very, very, very meticulous with mm-hmm. my my intake, exact numbers. <laughs> you know, weighing and measuring every single thing um, because I had to, like in order to get where I wanted to go, I needed to do that. Um, And to now where I'm eating less calories and I'm actually doing something, I've been messing around with this a little bit, is just just, um, focusing on calories and protein and kind of letting carbs and fats vary throughout my day. Just because like, I don't, I'm not really working towards anything. Um, you know, it's, it's a little less stressful. It creates more flexibility for me when I want to go out and just, just whatever. Um, and I think that was kind of just a good transition into like what we wanted to talk about next of kind of the downfalls of tracking, um, what it can cause some people, um, and so I'll kind of let you talk about that first. Get into that well, and that's first. like you just talking about how now you've been able to transition into just paying attention to calories and protein and being able to go where you want with your, car- with your carbs and your fats. I mean, and that's where as a coach, you want all of your clients to get to so that you don't coach them anymore and they can make informed decisions on right. their own, right? And it's, I mean, as coaching people, when it comes to all the weighing and measuring and it's things like that. I mean, fats and carbs are usually the things that people overeat on that cause all the issues for them, right? Most of them don't overeat with protein, right? So in the beginning, it's so important for them also to be meticulous yep. to weigh and measure yep. fats and carbs. I mean, fats are so calorie dense too, right? And for them to do that because for them, it gives them a visual of Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is what it looks like. So eventually 
down the road it's like they can do what you do it will it's like these people who are like intuitively eating but they've never tracked before and understood yeah what like servings actually look like it's like how can you intuitively eat if you haven't actually meticulously tracked before that's why i have a big issue with the whole term of intuitively eating intuitively eating is what makes people eat too much and have poor body composition yeah (laughs) it's it's driven by it can be driven by emotion right and yeah we had just recently done a video on this whole like the downsides of tracking right and and i mean without a doubt i think everybody talking here we really are pro macro tracking like your return on your investment for yourself or your client is like huge the amount of effort you have to put in versus what you get back and the accuracy i mean it's invaluable but with that comes some I guess some caveats where people can run into dysfunction and we've all seen this and it's manifested itself as like the anxious client who doesn't want to go out to eat or doesn't want to partake in a family dinner or has to travel and becomes like very nervous about the fact that it's like, how am I going to weigh and measure my food? And, and you just had a really good post on this, Christine, um, just, just about backing off and how sometimes progress is when you stop tracking. Mm-hmm. versus where you're consistent right. right yeah like i literally have clients where we have to work on loosening that grip mm-hmm. of meticulously tracking like that's what we're doing with them right now um and i really that's something that i like to i want everyone to have is to have that like nutritional freedom of okay track when you need to track but when you're going out or if you're going on vacation, like let it go, like stick to what you know from tracking, but let the, the weighing and measuring go for a bit and then just get back onto it. Like you oh. don't need to be doing it all the time. And it always makes me wonder, okay, so if you have been tracking and you're weighing and measuring, you've been doing it for like, I don't know, let's say two years and now that now it's disordered, right? You, they get to the point where they're like, I can't function without it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Have you not been paying attention to what your food looks like when you make a meal? Right. <laughs> like, are you not present when you it's eat all your about food? Like, is it, is it like you're just throwing sh- shit together and inhaling it without paying attention to what you're putting in your body and how you feel when you eat it? So when I make a meal, <laughs> like I visually look at it and think like, oh, okay, well, I know that that's what six ounces of protein looks like this is what like you know 30 grams of carbs looks like and if i add fat like you know you kind of know what fat looks like eventually after you've been tracking for years i think people (laughs) right develop a crutch yeah develop a crutch to see the numbers to take some confidence in the fact that their fats only at 60 grams and they haven't gone over and we've all had the client who has given us some feedback and they're like, Oh, you know, I totally blew up my numbers this, you know, yesterday. And you take a look at their numbers and let's say you have RX 60 grams of fat and they hit 63 grams of fat and they are literally beating themselves up because they've, yeah. they've blown their numbers up. And I'm less like, you know, when I look at that, I'm like, no, you're right on target. Like that's fine. But yeah. people become laser beam focused on the numbers. And then we need to, we need to pull them away. And I yeah. said, I was going to talk about uh, a client of mine I had a couple of years back. And she was a very good athlete, very meticulous with her tracking. Um, and she was going to Japan for a month. And she knew she wouldn't be able to track um, effectively when she was there. And so we had to baby step her into, I said to her, I said, okay, tomorrow, eat what you normally eat, but just don't track the whole day. And I could see the look in her eyes and it was pure fear. And I was like, okay, why don't we start with this? Don't track your breakfast eat what you normally would eat, but don't put it into my fitness pal. And she was like, okay, I think I can do that. And so over the course of a couple of weeks, we tracked, we got into the point of like, okay, be able to get through the week without tracking. And then when she went to Japan, she was like, oh, I'm totally fine. And right. You know, it's like, you know, the weight gain was like minimal and, you know, she was able to get through the whole vacation. Yeah. But sometimes we have to back clients off. Like I am very pro tracking, but without a doubt it can, I've, I have current clients and they will readily admit they're like, no, I feel better when I track. And as yes. the client says that to me, it's like, ding, 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 red light goes off. Yep. And it's like, okay, you might not be disordered right now. And let's say you have a goal of body composition, you have a specific goal of performance, then you probably should be tracking. 
but there's probably going to be a time when you need to maybe take a break from that. Well, and the, I mean, a good tester for that too, what I found, um, had a couple clients that Deb and, mm-hmm. and Cindy, who they, you know, they've been tracking for a long time, but they knew that they were going on vacation or they knew they were going to travel for business. So leading up to, because they knew they couldn't track or, and they couldn't measure and weigh while they were there. What we did was I just got them to start eyeballing their food, making a meal, but then weighing it. Okay. Afterwards. Hmm. Yeah. So that they okay. could go, and it was like a visual thing. I'm like, you yeah. need to visually understand what your meals look like, what like what all the macros look like. So for, like Cindy, before she went, she was in Hawaii for like three weeks and she wasn't going to take a scale. And so for like three weeks leading up to, that's what she did is she would, you know, she would plate her protein by eyeing it. And then mm-hmm. after she did it, she weighed it and she was like, I was almost dead on almost. I think that's time. awesome. Yeah. But yeah. then when she went away, she was like, it was so easy. Yes. I could yeah. just visually see what was on my plate. And I knew that that was pretty close to what I normally ate too. Yeah. Right. I like that a lot. I'm going to do that with some of my clients. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one of the things I'll I'll say to clients, I'm like, you know, if you think about it, weighing and measuring is completely ridiculous. It's completely unnatural. And Mm -hmm. for millions of years, we have not had to weigh and measure. And really it's only been in the past, well, probably 10 to 20 years that we've really become that focused on nutrition and had the ability to quantify our food. But up to that point, we did a pretty good job based on this amazing thing called hunger, right? Where it's like, <laughs> hey, I'm hungry, I'm going to eat. And now there's a lot of reasons why that is a... Well, I mean, yeah. people move a lot less than they did. They yeah. sit a lot more. People a, don't go outside as much as they used to. Um, foods. And there's all the food that is available yeah. now. Palatable food, yeah. yeah. Which, without a doubt, that food, food is a hunger thing. But. That's another thing that we definitely could talk about. We could. Point is hyperpalatability. Oh, of foods. Of foods, remember, yes. but just the whole argument that I had with my client. About mm-hmm. that. Yes. Yeah. Well, I have an idea. Why don't we? Why don't we wrap it up right now? Because yeah. we've been talking for a while. Um, so, I guess um, we're gonna post this, and we're gonna get some feedback from everybody in the interwebs world, and. We'll continue to do this as long as people want to listen to us and yeah. we'll always look for topics and suggestions from, from the crowd. So I feel like we could probably sit here for another three hours. We probably I know. We have to like stop ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Okay, well we'll wrap it up there and we will talk again. All right. Okay. Bye. I'll talk to you guys soon. <laughs> there. I could just like just edit it off there. Pause recording.